May all grace, mercy, and peace be to you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our gospel lesson from Luke chapter 15 serves as the basis for our sermon today. You know, when I was growing up, uh, much like I do today, I, I misplace a lot of things. And uh, my mom would always say, son, just retrace your steps back to the last known place that you remember having that object that's missing. And then my father would chime in and say, it's simple, it's right where you left it. Like, big help you are. And there's all these other little sayings that, that I've heard over the years, and, and they, they all relate to, to, to trying to find something that's lost. There's Mary Ann's Law, which says that you can always find something that you're not looking for. Then there's the Law of Search, that says the first place to look for anything is the last place you'd expect to find it. And then there's Miller's Corollary that objects are lost because people look where they are not instead of where they are. Fun little sayings and whatnot, but you know, you've probably heard a lot of these things over the years in regards to trying to find something. But you ever notice what they all have in common? They all focus on the one who is looking for the lost object. What about that which is lost? What if it's a person? What about the gamut of emotions that they go through? Uh, and you know, what, what, what are the... What kind of questions are they asking? There's never any focus on the, on the thing that's lost so much as there is on the, the, that which is uh, looking for the lost. And see, part of the problem with that is that us human beings, for the most part, don't think we could ever become lost apart from, you know, when it relates to God. I mean, totally lost. Yeah, we, we know we might sit here sometimes and go, yes, I know that I can become lost from God here and there, but I always find my way back, which is... It's good, but for the most part, I don't think that we have our mindsets that we could ever truly become lost from God, and that goes for the unbaptized as well. Now, you would think that the unbaptized wouldn't know God, but there are people out there who, who claim that they know Him, but without God in our lives, we are lost. We're incomplete. We're like that puzzle we were talking about this morning. We don't have the picture. We don't know how to live our lives in, in God's kingdom. And we see that today, not so much in the parables that Jesus tells, but in the setting in which he tells these parables. You ever notice that the controversies that surround Jesus always takes place around a meal? Jesus is always sitting down having a meal with people when these controversies take place. I want you to notice about who's coming to dine with him today. Tax collectors and sinners. They're not the only ones on the scene, though. And while they're drawing nearer and nearer to hear Jesus, there's another group of people that are standing nearby and, and kind of distancing themselves from Him. The Pharisees and the scribes. Two different sets of groups of people and two different reactions to Jesus. And this isn't the first time that Jesus has dined with tax collectors and sinners either. In yeah, Luke 5, He addresses Levi, and then He has a meal with them. Yet Luke 19, he addresses Zacchaeus, and then he has a meal with him. Luke 7, he's in a Pharisee's house when a sinful woman comes in and washes his feet. He's having a meal. There's always two things in each case that seem to occur. There's a transformation in a person's life, and there's Jesus getting criticized by a religious leader. Luke 14, right before our gospel lesson today, surprise, surprise, Jesus is having a meal. 
And he's describing the kingdom of God as a banquet that has a guest list that includes the blind and the lame and the crippled. He's showing them who he spends his time with. And now today, once again, Jesus is dining here with tax collectors and sinners, all while being criticized and watched by Pharisees and scribes. And so Jesus does what Jesus does best. He tells them parables. Both parables involve something being lost. The first one involves a lost sheep, one sheep out of 99. The second parable involves 10, lo- or 10 coins, one being lost. And the first parable involving the lost sheep, I want you to notice that the shepherd is out where? In the wilderness, searching for a sheep that's become detached from the flock. And the second parable, the woman's searching inside of her house for a coin that has become lost. And both parables, you'll notice at the end of them that when they find the item, there's a lot of rejoicing going on. There's a lot of inviting people over to gather and rejoice that the lost item has been found. And both parables end with the same saying that there's a lot of joy in heaven or joy before the angels of God at one sinner who repents. You know, it's easy for us to sit here and go, yeah, I've seen this parable before. I get the message. Repent. Come back to God. Right? Jesus Jesus is going to rejoice. And that's, that's true, right? We do have an image of God that shows God here who actively seeks out the lost. And He rejoices when they're found. But I want to focus a little bit deeper on some, some different stuff here in these parables today than what just appears on the surface. So notice how in the parable of the lost sheep that the shepherd is out searching in the wilderness. The sheep is lost. He, he leaves the other 99 behind and he goes out. It's external. He's out in the wilderness searching for these sheep. You know, it's, it's a big scary world out there. Sheep are naive. They're out wandering around. They, they need a shepherd. They can't survive on their own. They're going to, be, they're going to go following other things. And this this shepherd abandons his other nine, not, not abandons them, come, probably leaves them in a safe place, but goes out after this one. One sheep. He's got nine, nine other, but he goes after the one that's lost and strayed. You ever felt like that? You ever felt like you're out in, a, in the wilderness in a big, scary world, lured by the temptations of sin, with a wolf lurking around every corner ready to destroy you? You ever felt lost because you're just disconnected from God? And you need to find your way back. I've had many moments in my life like that. And I thank God every day that He sent people after me. That He worked through people to come find me. Who knows what it would have been like if He hadn't. Now look at the woman and the ten coins. Where is she searching for the the, the one lost coin? It's not out in the wilderness. It's not out in a big scary world, is it? It's inside of her house. It's internal. She's searching, she turns on the light, you know, a lamp, lights a lamp, starts looking for this one lost coin. She's got ten other coins, right? And there's, there's a lot of value that, that is given here in, in these things. The Greek word for coin is drachma, and that's equivalent to about one Roman denarius. And when you look at, at the, the value in the time, right, one coin is one day's labor. And when you're living from paycheck to paycheck, one day's labor is a lot of money when you got bills to pay and food to put on the table. Of course you're going to go looking for it. You ever lost money before? You know what a sinking feeling that is? 
Now compare that to when you were probably a teenager and washed your jeans and found a $20 bill in there. You rejoiced at it, right? You know what it's like to discover something like that. You're not out in a big scary world looking for something inside the house. Sometimes we need to search internally. We get lost inside. We don't have the Word of God filling us up. Right? We're kind of empty and hollow and whatnot. So I want to look at, at the word here for lost. The Greek word is apolemai. Because it, it means, it doesn't just mean that, that kind of loss, what's saying in the parable that something is missing. It also connotates that it can refer to causing or experiencing destruction, to be destroyed or ruined. Maybe if you remember the TV series called Lost in the mid 2000s, early in the mid 2000s, that captivated America for a number of years. It was about that plane that wrecked, and all these people were stranded on a, on a deserted island. Nobody knew where they were, right? And so they're, they, they're, they're wandering around. They're trying to piece their lives together and figure out how they're going to survive and all this. And uh, so they're, they're dealing with a destruction that just occurred right in front of them. But in each episode, it would focus on a different character and who had flashbacks to their past. So they were also haunted by their past while dealing with what's right in front of them at the same time. We can feel like that as well in our life. We can be lost and wandering aimlessly and dealing with something that just happened and haunted by things from our past. Um, and maybe, to be honest with you, as a congregation, we might feel a little lost today. We just said goodbye to our beloved shepherd, Pastor Tom, last week. And now we might have questions about what's next. How, you know, who's going to lead us? How are we going to get through all this? What's going to happen to us as a congregation? Where are we going? You know, whether we're lost uh, because of sin or lost because of some experience we had, we're not whole. We're not complete. Whether we're out aimlessly wandering in the world or whether we're, we're trying to internalize everything and we just feel empty inside, we're, we're, just, we're missing something. And that's, that's what happens when we're apart from God and we don't rely on God to lead us and to take care of our needs. So, are you lost today? Do you feel lost? Maybe you feel like there's a piece missing in your life. What's keeping you from being complete? What's keeping that last piece being put in to make you feel whole again? Well, let's look what happens when the sheep and the lost coin are found. In both parables, Notice that there's never any comment made about sinful behavior. Just as there's no comment made about sinful behavior in the stories of Levi and Zacchaeus and the sinful woman who sits at Jesus' feet. Rather, there's what? There's rejoicing going on. There's rejoicing in heaven and there's rejoicing before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. There's a connection between God's rejoicing for the lost who have been found and the sinner who repents. And repentance implies what? It replies a contrite heart, right? Remorse, feeling sorry for something, and that's great. But when we're lost and we're found again, there's something else that usually happens. It's a transformation, right? There's a, a change of mind and purpose, a change in how we perceive life to be and how we respond to that life. And that was me some 30 years ago when I was in college. 
lost, wandering aimlessly, just totally on the, on the edge of destruction, disconnected from God, not knowing where I was going, and should have been dead some 30 years ago in a gutter somewhere. But God pursues. God pursues and, and seeks out. And that's what he did with me. He, he worked through my roommate and my wife to reconnect me. And I remember, I remember the week before I graduated when I got confirmed and, and the joyous celebration that was going on. And I remember the feeling that I had. And as I looked at it going, I came from there and I'm here. This is what I want life to be. Connected with God. I remember how I felt whole and complete. And not having that stuff tear me down anymore. And this is exactly why I have such a heart for the college ministry. Why I love Live UCF. Imagine being a student on a campus of 68,000 plus. Be easy to get lost, right? Be easy to just be a number. There's a lot of things going on. A lot of lifestyles and things like that. But these students draw nearer and nearer each week to hear the Word of God. To hear what Jesus is speaking. These students stay connected to one another in worship and also in, in doing projects and things like that. They, like you and I, want to be and perceive life in the kingdom of God, not life with what you would think a lot of college students normally do or, or the things that happen out there that lure us in. And you know, there's still many people out there today, though, who criticize Jesus. It may not be the Pharisees and the scribes anymore, but there are some who think that Jesus is only for them. And there are others who don't like this Jesus because he challenges their way of life. They're too comfortable in it. And they, like the Pharisees, are lost. Still lost, still incomplete. Jesus is right in front of them, and they can't complete the puzzle. The sinners and the tax collectors who draw near to Jesus, though, are found. They're made whole again. But Jesus has a way of doing that, doesn't he? He has a way of attracting sinners to him. Attracting the marginalized in society. The ones that nobody wants. He doesn't give up on searching for anybody either. And he draws near to us so that we can be near to him. Rejoice is when we're found. Invites us to, to dine with them, to be with them. As a congregation, how are we going to get through this if we're lost, if we feel unlost? We do it by drawing near to Jesus, by staying in His Word, by coming together and doing the things as a congregation that we should be doing. Worshiping together, fellowshipping together, staying with Him, joining Him at the table for meals. When we stay connected to God, God makes our lives a lot more complete. God will provide. God has always provided shepherd for His people. And He will continue to search for us. Not just individually, but as a congregation. And He will provide for our needs. And when we're lost, when we have strayed and fallen into sin and temptation... God calls us back to Him and pursues us. And as children of God, we may be lost at times, but we're always found. It's like in our baptisms, like He put one of those little GPS locators on us. Draws us back to Him. Right? Because you know what? When we find our way back, when we repent and we're found again, 
heaven rejoices. The angels of God rejoice before him. That's the God we have, one who always provides for a sheep that causes his sheep to lie down in green pastures. May we stay as a flock before our shepherd, letting him provide for us and be complete. In Jesus' name, amen.